We'd always kind of wrote each other notes on our mirror that we had. And it was like one of these, like, you know, medicine cabinet mirrors that you can mount and take with you to your next place. Um, and she wrote this note on there that said, no shame. Check it out. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to Sends and Suffers podcast. As always, this is your host, Mario Stanley. Today is a wondrous day because today is the beginning of June. And for those of you who do not know, it is Pride Month. What is Pride Month? Well, it's the sheer time that the LBGTQ plus community gets to be heard. And let's just say, I want to be very clear. It's just not in June that people are gay. This is a lifelong thing. This is who they are, how they identify, and they're beautiful, wonderful people. And I feel that it is only right for me to do this. I am having Alexa, good friend of mine, Climber, probably one of the best staples for this community in the DFW area that I believe she's going to be taking over our podcast for the next little while, maybe just pride month, maybe just a little longer. Yeah. We're going to keep you on your toes. You won't know, but what you are going to do and what you are going to have the opportunity to do is decide whether you are going to grow and learn and listen to other people's unique stories or are you going to unsubscribe, unfollow, because this is not your jam and you're not willing to grow? Rock climbing, by its sheer nature, is a growth-based sport. We have all the tools we need. If you can spend years working on a boulder or just a session or a season, putting it together, chipping it apart, however you want to describe it, then you have the tools to grow and learn. And why don't we do it at a part of ourselves that is far harder to grow because we don't see it every day. And that's our hearts and that's our minds. And most importantly, connecting our souls with other people. I am so proud to introduce Alexa and I'm going to let her describe herself and tell you how bad she is because she is a badass mama jamma. I'm telling you, yes, she is. All right, I'm going to shut up now. I appreciate every one of you. I love you guys dearly, as you know. But please enjoy the new host of Sends and Suffers podcast, Alexa Forster. She's my girl. Holla. Hi, I'm Alexa Forster. I am a queer trans woman, climber, filmmaker, photographer. Uh, I use she, her pronouns. And uh, thank you so much, Mario, uh, for that amazing intro. I am so freaking excited to be able to partner with Mario on the Sense and Suffers podcast to bring y'all uh, uh, this LGBTQ takeover uh, where I get to talk to all of these other uh, talented uh, climbers and just get to peek into their lives and just kind of pick their brains a little bit. And uh, I guess two key reasons why I am doing uh, the show because uh, Mario asked me and at first I was just like I don't think I'm the right person for this um, and he was like no no you're great at talking with people and having conversations I said okay that I can do but I just felt like my knowledge level 
of climbing was so low that I would just embarrass myself and the rest of my community. But one thing I've learned over this last year of getting to uh, record this podcast that I've just grown so much as a human being and as a climber, and I've learned so much. And I'm just so grateful for this podcast and what it's allowed me to do. So thank you, Mario. Um, And one of the main reasons I do this podcast is to help other queer climbers out there feel less alone and to feel connected to other queer climbers, even if it's through this auditory medium, if they don't have that, you know, in-person community, if they're in a more like, you know, rural area, then they can connect with other people like them and feel seen and feel heard because that is so important in today's world. So thank you and enjoy this episode. gentlemen welcome to sends and suffers podcast i am here with uh, alexa alexa i will let you go ahead and introduce yourself to the climbing community and i guess we'll just kind of get into this of what you and i have cooking so okay. who are you where are you from and what is your relation to the outdoors Cool. Uh, Yeah, so my name is Alexa Forster. My pronouns are she, her, hers. And uh, I've been climbing uh, since actually January 1st, 2019. Um, And finally, after two years of climbing in the gym, I was able to make it outside uh, in April of this year, in 2021, to uh, Horseshoe Canyon Ranch. Oh, nice. Up in Arkansas, first place to go was just beautiful, and I I finally decided to mix my two passions of climbing and photography in, into one, and took my camera out there and was just able to really just like fall in love with climbing and photography all over again. And I went back exactly a month later in May and figured out how to uh, uh, got an ascender, was able to Jumar a little bit and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, get some amazing photos from on the wall. So I'm just I just love getting to climb outside and I can't wait for the weather to cool down to, to go back outside again and really um, also connect with other people that I meet outside or just like, <laughs> like it was funny. I was on the wall on my second trip when I was taking pictures and I just looked over and this woman was next to me and I just had the perfect angle. I was like, hey, can I take your picture? I, you, you look really good right there, basically, oh, on the you're wall. You're nicer than I would. I wouldn't <laughs> ask. I would just do it. I would, yeah, I just, I don't know. Consent for, like, photos to me is very important. I just always feel strange taking a, str- a stranger's picture without uh, getting permission. But she was, like, totally cool, and I just realized I still need her s- to send her those photos because afterwards I got her, G- her email address, uh, and it said I would send them mm-hmm. to her. So I need to do that. That's a good reminder for myself. Dope, dope. Well, I am excited bec- to talk to you because... You and I have been scheming a project for a little while, mm-hmm. and I'm very excited to I'm very excited to share this with everyone. So, um, as you guys all know, as you can obviously see, I'm a brother, 
and I talk to people of color. I talk to majorities, minorities, everyone. But I feel like I can really easily associate, relate, and I I love everyone. But I am super excited to talk about uh, Alexa will be taking over the podcast for the next few months. And she is going to be introducing members of the LBGT plus community and really kind of just I'm super excited. It's really going to be like broadening the scope. And those of you who know me personally, intimately and professionally, you know, my platform is your platform. Like we're out here to kind of make the world a better place. And that's like the plan. And so this idea kind of came from I wanted to interview, you know, more diverse people within the community. And I'm sure I probably could have done it, but I didn't really think, I don't know. It's it's one of those things. It's like, um, it's like going to your hometown. And when you go to your hometown, you just like know where the things are. You know where the spots is, you know the vibe, you know the people, and you can just easily like sink into that groove. And I felt that it would be much more authentic, much more original, and honestly, just really just honestly showcasing someone else. I think it was really important. So I'm really excited and happy that you said yes to do this because I was definitely a little nervous asking you. <laughs> I was definitely, you're going to be like, mm, nah, this ain't my vibe. <laughs> but you jumped on board and I'm super excited to do this. And um, if you guys are, if you guys haven't had a chance, the episode that went out right before this was um, a talk with Nikki Smith that I had. And this is kind of the springboard onto basically, we are not exactly sure how many episodes we're going to go for this, but we're thinking, how many do we have so far? Seven or eight. Seven or eight. So yeah, we're aiming for seven or eight. I think we have four, I think right now in the can. Okay. And I need to finish the rest of them. Okay, cool. And so we're, we're, we're locking the rest of these things up. And by the time you guys hear this, um, honestly, this will most likely be locked up and will be set up. And um, I will not, I'll, I'll be sprinkled in here like sprinkles on your favorite donut or coconut sprinkles on your favorite mm-hmm. donut, whatever your favorite donut yeah. is. Um, but I will be back and I hopefully will not be back until after the new year. And I am super excited to bring another, to bring my first real series to you guys. And we'll get into that much later. I'll give like a little super secret note of that uh, later. But I do want to just drop a little bit of information on you guys. We have launched the Patreon. So the Patreon is up. It's running. And if you guys are already Sticker Club members, you already have transferred over. You've moved over. If you have not, holla at a brother because that means I'm slipping. And you all know me. I don't like to slip. I like to stay fresh, you know, straight clean, straight balling. But I can't do that without your help. And for those of you who are not Sticker Club members, please join the Patreon. It's $5 a month. At the $5 level, you get stickers every month, love letters in the mail from me, and then you get access to exclusive content on the Patreon. You'll get access to video recordings of this. You'll get access to a bunch of other stuff. So, And then we will be creating other tiers later. But for those of you, once again, who know me personally, I'm like... I'm bougie. I'm super bougie. And I'm trying to make this stuff. I mean, I want y'all to feel like you're wearing like that Patagucci when you join the next level. 
So I don't know what the next level is going to kind of be yet. I have some schemes. I have some ideas. But if you want to know what those are, those ideas are, join the sticker club now. Those ideas will be voted on on the Patreon. That We will have votes. We'll have polls. I'm going to get ideas from you guys. And then also you'll have access to stuff. Discounts on swags, discount from vendors. I mean, there's all kinds of things that will happen. You know your boy is going to take care of you. But I'm going to shut up because... This really isn't about me today. Today, when is it ever about me, actually? Uh, but um, today is about a community that I feel is underserved and underrepresented. And represented? Is that a thing? Represented? Underrepresented. underrepresented. I think you did a little too much ED on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's okay. Well, you know, it's, I think it's this haze that it's we're drinking. It's the haze, yeah. It is. It, it is this, the IP haze that we're IP enjoying. Cheers. Haze, yes, cheers. Yeah. It's delicious. So, um, I guess what I'd like to start off was with is, what was your initial thoughts when I approached you about this idea? Well, when you first approached me, it was like I think I'll definitely want to interview for like a po- for my podcast, just like one episode. So I was really psyched for that, just to like come in and do an episode with you, okay. and then just like you know give back to everything else um, in the world. And like, that was like, I think, was it right before COVID hit that you talked to me about it? I think like doing one episode. It was right before lockdown. Yeah. Right before lockdown hit. Yeah. Yeah. And then, I remember so before seeing the world your face went crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And then that happened and then everything, you know, went, everyone went into their homes and stayed forever. Yeah. Um, you're right. You're right. Cause I hadn't actually launched a podcast yeah. yet. You, you were, were, you were just talking to me about it. Like you were like, you were yeah. talking about it and I was like, yeah, I'd love to do that. Yeah. And then lockdown happened and you know, I stopped climbing for a while and then came back into the gym and I was, you know, happy to see you back and everyone else back that was, you know, working and being able to climb again after some time off. And I think it was, uh, last. So it was like December or November, 2020. And mm-hmm. you came to the idea, like, what would you think about doing a takeover for the LGBTQ community? And I was like, first, I was just like super pumped and excited. And I was like, yeah, that sounds really cool. And then I got home and started thinking about it more. And I was just like, but am I the right person? Like, I've only been climbing for like right under two years. And like, I haven't got to go outside yet at this point. And my, you know, climbing whatever you want to call it, you know? And I was like super nervous, just feeling kind of like not fully confident in myself to be able to talk to all these other amazing climbers who are doing just like crazy things in the, in the community. But like when you asked me, I just realized it was going to be an amazing opportunity for myself to talk to other people, other, you know, LGBTQ folks, other queer folks like me in the community about climbing because I was, first off, I was introduced into climbing from a friend who's, you know, also queer and she's the whole reason I got into climbing. So I, I saw it as a very queer sport and just like open and really easy to get into. And then I started climbing more and I was like, I would run into, you know, a queer person every now and then, but it was still in the gym, you know, mostly straight, you know, cis folk. So I did, you know, eventually I've made some more friends here mm-hmm. at Summit um, who are in the community and I, I love them. And they're actually some of the first people I talked to was like some local friends. Um, awesome. And 
yeah, but I just realized like this would be a really great opportunity for me to be able to just get to talk to some other people in the community who are also crazy about climbing like I am and got really excited and just, you know, made my ultimate wish list of people that I would love to talk to that I have been following. Like uh, on Instagram, I follow a hashtag trans climbers and there were some people on there that I automatically just like, I knew I wanted to talk to them That's awesome. just because I had never ha- gotten the opportunity or had a reason to reach out, to have a conversation. But this allowed me to do that and okay. to talk to so many other people that I never thought I would actually be able to talk to. And just having this platform has been such an experience and something that's really, I think, created the opportunity for me to branch out and create a, just so many awesome relationships that I can't wait for in the future to see develop and you know being able to eventually hopefully climb with the people I've been talking to. <laughs> yeah, that would be super fun. I hope that comes to pass. Um, I would like to, I want to hear more about the people that you've interviewed. But I want to, I definitely think it's very important that we, um, I want to solidify who you are. And I definitely, you know, you gave your introduction and I don't know if you're, if this is comfortable for you. If mm-hmm. not, then, you know, oh, yeah. by all means, shoot me down. Like, this is like, this is your show now. So I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm riding, you know, I'm basically riding bitch right now. So, um, but like, would you be okay with talking about, like how god damn like this is so complicated and it's like, what assist- it's like being trans and climbing no you know uh, <laughs> i want to do that but i want to kind of go more like deeper than that i want to kind of like i'm just looking at this from like the cis male kind of perspective here and like I, it, the best way i want to say it is like i want your batman origin story <laughs> You know, I, you know, if you're an orphan and your parents got killed yeah. by Joker, like, I don't want to know that. That's like yeah. real fucked up. Yeah. Real dark. So like my but, trans origin story. Is that, um, is that what yeah, you're, kind okay. of it. And it, but if, if that's okay to ask, yeah. no, that's totally fine. Because like, it's, it's funny that you say like origin story, because I literally, the first other, uh, trans, uh, woman I met in the gym after took me two years to meet another trans woman climbing who like actually, you know, came out to me as trans um took me two years in the gym to meet another person like me and um you know we we clicked like just really fast because we had you know so much in common and we actually had the same uh so people in the trans community side note for everyone else people in the trans community uh if they decide to medically transition they'll sometimes call their uh anniversary for when they started hormone replacement therapy, like their birthday, basically. So we had the same birthday for our HRT, like the same day of the same year. It's crazy of how many similarities that we had. And like, we also went to the same type of uh, support group. So it was just like, we kind of had lots of stuff in common already. And then like the first time we got together outside of the gym, just like hang out and like grab dinner together. Um, we swapped what we, you know, we swapped our origin stories. We call them our trans origin stories. Okay. <laughs> so it's so funny that you, you said it in a very similar way. Um, but yeah, I guess I can, uh, go is back. It, is it wrong for me to say when you say trans origin story, <laughs> I also think of you like 
This is so dumb, but I kind of think of you like riding Optimus Prime into the future for justice for everyone. And it's just like I'm thinking of Transformers. I know. This is no, like no, this cis it's, male it's, thing. But it's, like, yeah, it's like it's a very like trans is the first part of Transformers. So I could see how that is um, yeah, I don't know. associated. Um, but, anyway, but Transformers is badass uh-huh. and you're badass. So I guess that's where I'm really yeah, like making have, the correlation. But yeah, I'm going to yeah. shut up. I'm going to no, get out of the way here. Um, so yeah, like, like, yeah, because I, I, I really... I think it's very important to kind of cement. I think it's very important to kind of cement to the listeners and the viewers, like, like who are you? Because they've heard me for thirty-one ep- until now, thirty episodes, mm-hmm. just go womp 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 womp. Yeah. And so it's yeah, your it's totally. your show it can now. Give some background about yeah yeah how I became uh, Alexa, um, and so I guess I want to like start with is like for people who don't know much about trans people um so i you know am a trans woman and i um you know was assigned male at birth growing up uh from the doctor and the way i look at it and see it is that like that was you know basically this sex was assigned to me at birth based on my genitals Mm -hmm. and like basically science has now proven that gender is a spectrum. It's no longer just like this black and white thing. Um, there's a huge spectrum of gender and it, it doesn't have to be male or female. There's, you know, non-binary folks who, um, you know, sometimes they identify as like not any gender. Like they don't even identify a little bit as male or female. And sometimes they can identify as more female femme and sometimes more male but or sometimes they kind of fall in the middle but the thing about non-binary is it's so it's so individual to each person who you know identifies as non-binary um and like one of the things that i kind of use for like especially my family um when i came out to them was just like they were having a hard time wrapping their head around and they still are it's been three years um but i grew up in east texas where it's super conservative and super religious. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that I like to explain to people is like, you know, trans people have existed for hundreds of years before, like in history, trans people have been there the whole time and just not really ever talked about, it, especially in Americans' history. We never really acknowledge it. But there's also, I kind of use this, this um, explanation of my dad to prove that gender is not just black and white is that people are born intersex. Um, And intersex people are um, born with sometimes both sets of genitalia or sometimes partial parts of genitalia. So I use this kind of like, well, if God intended me to be this way, what about someone who was born intersex? Like, that's not a mistake. Yeah. I so mean, like it, theoretically, if God doesn't make yeah, mistakes, so. God doesn't make mistakes, and like there are animals all throughout the animal kingdom who are gender fluid, yeah. that change their you know their sex or their gender um, to adapt and be able to like mate. Like I think there's there's a frog there's a frog there's like a puffer fish i think oh there's a frog um, but the frog is from also i think it's most popularly known from jurassic park because oh yeah you remember jurassic park number one they the guy was like yeah we took this frog 
and we took it from the DNA, mm -hmm. and then the guy was like, but certain breeds of frogs can change their sex if the population is low. Yeah. And so they were supposed to all have females. There were mm -hmm. supposed to be no males at all, dinosaurs. Yeah. But because they took this one genetic strand it from that just frog, like, yeah. they could flip the switch. Yeah. That's funny. I actually forgot about that. Um, um, I'm a I'm a movie. <laughs> like uh, we can get into movies yeah, another no, day. Another but time, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, okay. So I kind of went off on that little tangent about intersex, just to kind of explain to people who don't, you know, who still see gender as this black and white thing. That's a kind of just good introductory introduction into how gender is this social construct, it's because mm -hmm. people are, you know, genders were created to help, you know, uh, put people in boxes and yep. be able yep. to. Um, sell things to us essentially. <laughs> um, if yeah. you think about it, and kind of deep down, um, I but I kind of like consumerism. I'm kind of just jumping all over the place. So I apologize. Nah, nah. But like going back to like my kind of you know trans origin story, or however you want to call it. Um, so yeah, like I said, I um was born in like uh, the Dallas area in Plano, and my parents split up when I was in like uh, fifth grade, mm -hmm. and then uh, my mom moved us out to East Texas where she grew up. And uh, out there, like I said, it's super conservative, religious area. And anyone who wasn't white and straight were, were not really um, accepted or, like, just not, like, a good person to be. Like, it was very not a progressive, <laughs> not a very uh, open-minded space to grow up in. And I was, in my youth, in my, like, high school years, just drawn towards the theater because it was such an open and accepting group of people that I could just easily be around. And I like growing up, I never really had the definition or knew what being trans was. I knew I was different growing up, but I didn't really have a word for it. And I was basically too afraid to talk about it with my family because no one in my family ever really talked about their emotions growing up. Um, mm -hmm. Hint, you know, why my parents ended up getting a divorce. Um, and so I grew up with this upbringing of not really being able to talk about my feelings uh, or what was going on with me. So I just kind of, you know, repressed how I felt because I was ashamed of it based on growing up in East Texas. I had this intern, I had this homophobia basically and transphobia like ingrained in me growing up where I grew up to not really accept who I was. I put on basically a mask. I checked off boxes for mm -hmm. my family to, to you know, you know, make them happy. I thought by making them happy, I, I would be happy eventually. You know, if I went to school, if I went to college, got a degree, I got a girlfriend, you know, that like everything would just, got a job, like things would just line up and I would actually be happy eventually. But uh, I was fortunate to have a family that was able to support me in school and pay for my college and let me actually major in like theater basically. Um, and then I eventually transferred to uh, film production. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was so weird that they were so supportive and like what I wanted to do passion wise. I just didn't feel like I had ever the ability because I still wasn't really sure of what being trans was because growing up I had like, secretly like dressed up like in my cousin's clothes a few times and mm -hmm. like every time that i did that it just felt really good i got really happy and just felt like this sense of euphoria for being able to kind of present as a woman like mm -hmm. when i was like 
eight or nine or something. But I did that in total secrecy because I was so ashamed of it based on like what I'd seen in the media and how uh, trans people were depicted in the media. If you look back at any like trans character in a film, they were always like the villain or the bad guy yeah. or like, a joke, yeah. no, that's basically. True. Like uh, the Ace Ventura um film you know the main villain ended up being trans at the very end and it just like just this really awful joke wherever jim carrey you know kisses sean sean young i think is her name yeah kisses her character and then once like they find out that she's trans like he goes and like has all this fake vomiting scene basically i totally forgot about that yeah there's all these things just peppered in to a past media that no one really realizes that's there that is like basically shaping how we see and react to trans people making them seem like this complete outcast like this complete Um, just like yeah just like not real yeah no that was that was ace ventura ace ventura Mm -hmm. oh ace ventura so it's funny um you kind of hit on a little bit of a trigger word with me, not in a negative standpoint, yeah. but like, um, and I, I, I would like to back up and then I want you to yeah, continue. For but, sure. Um, so I have been doing this thing recently and I recently, which by random chance of the person who made this product, if you're listening to this podcast, I'm still waiting on those good goods. <laughs> but um, I recently ordered some luchadore masses. And if you're familiar with what a luchadore mask is, it's a Mexican wrestling mask. So think of Nacho Libre, Mm -hmm. things like that. And I really love this idea. And I just, so this is kind of a thought experiment. Um, You talked about wearing a mask in front of everybody in East Texas and everything Mm -hmm. like that. At what point did you have a conversation with that mask? And at what point, at what point did you have a conversation with that mask where you could talk to the mask as you are now mm-hmm. and talk to the mask? And at what point was the mask taken off okay. and what was done with it? Was it yeah. burned? Was it gotten rid of? Is it still okay. on a shelf somewhere? Yeah. No, that's okay. So I wasn't really sure how far you want me to go back. So I started really early basically just to yeah, kind of no, no, no. give a backstory. I, I, well, you, you, but I, just, I, can, yeah. I can definitely jump forward a little bit. Sorry. Yeah. No, no, um, no, no, no. I don't want you. To, I want you to go at your own time. Yeah. It's just, it, it's just interesting to me because like in my own self journey right now, I am realizing that like I personally wear masks through like we all you know, do. Yeah, we all do. Mm-hmm. But like I wear the mask that I coach with the kids and yeah. I wear the mask of that this and this. But I've realized basically these things that we do, we inadvertently sometimes wear them when we don't expect. And mm-hmm. I think it's very important to have conversations with these things because they are a part of our identity structure. Yeah. So. Yeah, there's like so like maybe mask isn't always the best word. But no, I like think it's for, a perfect word. It's it's a good word for it, but for sometimes like I think another word for it, for like for you're saying like you know you wear a mask with you know your kids when you're coaching like in my opinion that's like not so much the mask as it is a different part of you mm-hmm. like that's a different part of Mario that's, okay, that's not fair. the same Mario that's like um, you know when you're out chilling with your friends yeah no like, I, it's a different fair. part of you basically um, so like for me I felt like I was I didn't really fit in with other like boys growing up basically i just didn't really ever 
feel a like, connection or bond or like camaraderie with other other boys growing up. The boys are dumb. So yeah, no. I, Let's I just got, be honest. Boys are that. stupid. Um. So I just like always felt like I had to like do what they were doing to like fit in essentially. I had mm-hmm. two brothers, basically my middle child. So I always felt like I was like imitating what they were doing or what other guys were doing basically to try to like fit in basically. Cause I didn't feel like I fit in ever. Um, and then, you know, flash forward through college. I, you know, you know, people in college, you know, tend to drink and get, have fun and, you know, get mm-hmm. drunk. Yep. Um, I don't think I necessarily like, drank more than other kids in college, but I definitely drank a lot to the point where I would like, you know, black out a lot of times and not really remember, you know, what happened the night before. And so I feel like because I didn't know how to process my feelings or my emotions for the longest time, I would use alcohol or I would use pot or something to just like help me numb the side of myself that I just did not want to acknowledge. Yeah. Basically yeah. up until I was, 28 basically um and i was in a nearly seven-year relationship uh with my partner at the time and i was uh the year the that year basically was 2017 i believe um yeah it was 2017 and i had a surgery that year uh i had a cyst right above my butt and they had to remove that. And I was out of work for like a month and a half recovering just upstairs in my apartment, basically by myself most of the day while my partner was at work. And I just had so much time to sit there and look at myself. And I, I just, I suffered a lot of depression post-surgery and I was looking at, you know, at this wound. And I also was looking at myself in the mirror a lot more and just getting so uncomfortable with who I saw and I think because I had so much time to myself for the first time, because I had always been go, 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 Mm -hmm. go, go, keeping Mm -hmm. myself busy with work, keeping myself busy with having, you know, friends and everything else. It, it, it allowed me to like avoid this part of myself for so long. But whenever I was recovering, I couldn't run from it anymore. That's fair. I mean, and so I was forced to like look at myself and actually start to think about it and try to begin to like process what was going on. And what I, what I finally figured out after doing a little research is I was having uh body dis like gender dysphoria basically. And I didn't realize, I didn't know what that was before then until I was actually able to like do research because like up until this point I had, you know, heard about i'd heard and seen transgender people but never really associated that with who i was because growing up i thought that i had this very very shameful fetish is what i thought i had i thought i was attracted to these people i thought i was attracted to trans people i thought i had this Uh weird fetish that i was so ashamed about and didn't tell anyone about ever and so wow it's amazing how trauma (laughs) can like really yeah it's, it's just amazing really how trauma can really just like open world up whether it's emotional physical or whatever but yeah. it like i mean it damn it opens a can of worms yeah and so basically less than a year before i had that surgery i went on uh i went and had drinks with this uh trans woman that i met on craigslist essentially and i just wanted to actually go have a drink 
with the trans person because I was so curious and, you know, I thought I was attracted to this person. And the moment I got there and I was able to start talking with her, like, it just kind of clicked to my head that I was like, oh, shit, like, she's me. And, like, I am her, basically. After just sitting and talking with her for, like, less than a minute, I had this realization. And this was a year before my surgery, and, like, that happened. And I got so afraid and ashamed of who I, of what was going on in that, that realization that I just started to, like, block it out again. Like, I figured it out. Like, I realized who I was in that moment, and then I was just like, no, I can't even begin to try to like so you put the mask back on i put the mask yeah the mask started to come up for a second and i was able to actually kind of peer at who i was and then after i realized like oh i can't do this like i'm in a relationship right now i have you know a girlfriend and i have you know my family that's not uh, ever going to approve okay, of this that makes sense that makes so sense. i was so concerned with looking good to my family and to my partner that i could not even consider the idea of like thinking that i was trans and so I went back and just suppressed it more. And then, you know, my surgery came up and I was, you know, by myself uh, a lot after surgery. And then that's whenever the gender dysphoria started to come back when I had just myself to just be with. And I started doing more research based on, you know, that kind of, you know, event that I talked about with, you know, meeting the other trans women and realizing that was, you know, who I was and able to kind of like see and like figure out what, gender dysphoria was because I never heard the term until I started doing research about, you know, what, you know, what a trans person deals with and who they are, you know, on the inside and like how they get to be where they're at and like learning about transition and everything. Cause I had no idea. Cause there's no education about it. There's nothing out there. Not even now. I mean, now there's a little bit, but most, most cis people don't know much about trans folks unless I mean, they know a trans person who educates them. Yeah, I mean, so I, so I mean, you know, selfishly saying that's what I'm asking right now. Yeah, exactly. I don't know jack shit. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, it's it's a serious, it's a serious issue today in today's world because there's not enough education about it. Where, um, there's just no education, so it's basically left up to like people in the trans community to educate cis people. Which, and here's the thing. If you meet a trans person and you're cis and you don't know anything about it, don't automatically expect that the, the trans person is going to take the time to educate you because it takes a lot of mental energy to do so. So just be, and like I knew coming into this conversation that I would I would be doing that. So like you're fine. Don't worry. Don't no, sweat I mean, it. I, you're I totally mean, good. I, I, I'm, I'm happy you acknowledge that because the same thing is with you know, this whole um, thing with like, uh, oh, what's it called? It's escaping my mind right now. Um, critical race theory. Oh, yeah. It's the whole thing with black people talking about Black Lives Matter and mm -hmm. all this other stuff. And it's like people are just like, oh, I don't get it. And I'm like, hi, you know, <laughs> and I'm I'm not going to lie. I'm a little bit more kind hearted yeah. than some people that I know. And I'll be like, I'll have a five minute conversation <laughs> as long as you're buying drinks, you know, and <laughs> yeah, compensate me for my time just a little bit at least. Yeah. Because you know, like this is taxing. Yeah, no, it is. It's emotionally draining. It's like, you know, and I think uh, I'm really happy that like you like I'm happy I am happy but burdeningly sad to know that that is the commonality between us in this thing yeah. where it's like, yeah, okay, I'll explain this to you. Yeah. But like, 
you know, and I don't know if you ever deal with, deal with this, but like, I'm like, yeah, I'll explain this to you, but like, be honest with you, I know you're not going to give a fuck anyway. So like, I, I, I know you're asking, I know you're asking and I'm just hoping something I say sticks in the back of your brain and I don't expect you to change your vote. I don't expect you to change your mind. I just hope you're not a dick mm-hmm. at some at one point in time. Di- at yeah. one point in time. And, but, you know, and it's like this real bittersweet thing that, like I said, like, yeah, I'm happy that that's it, but it's also kind of bittersweet that it's like, God yeah. damn, like. There's actually something when you said that, it's, it's interesting that you said that because, um, jumping forward a little bit because I was almost to that point where I was taking off the mask that you wanted to hear about. Mm-hmm. But I now hear. I want to, I'll get to this point. There was a connection to what you just said about race and trans people being, having a similarity there. It's because being a minority essentially. Um, but so like I said, I was like, you know, figuring out who I was by doing research about trans, but what being trans was online and figuring out what gender dysphoria was. And then, um, kind of figuring that out myself and then taking, uh, that was like basically June of uh, 2017, and it took me like four months to kind of like figure it out more and begin to like think about it. And then my partner at the time, she was going out of town to go on a girls' trip to see um, one of her friends from college, essentially that moved up to like Ohio or something, and they were all going up there. So I had the weekend to myself for the first time in like forever to be alone. And I decided I was going to use that time to, you know, uh, you know, present as a woman for like the first time in public because I had never done that before. I'd always like done it in private and done it in secrecy. And I wanted to be able to, to see what that felt like for me. And so I basically ordered all this stuff online and it just ended up being, I ordered like this dress. I was, I decided that I wanted to like get dressed up and go dancing for the first time, like presenting as a woman. And so there's in Dallas, there's uh, uh, what we call the Gaberhood where mm-hmm. they have all these different bars and S4 Springs, down yeah. in Cedar Springs. Um, so there's this uh, club, club, club called S4 that I went to a couple times in college with some I love that gay place. friends uh, when I was still uh, in theater basically. And I just remember going there and having like the best time. And I was just like, I need to, I'm going to go here basically. And just like by myself, I was just like, I'm going to do it. So I ordered like a dress and some shoes, stuff online. It all came in. The dress was like this huge glitter bomb <laughs> that was just like shedding glitter everywhere. So I had to like <laughs> end up like going to Ross or something to go buy a dress. And I remember like, you know, still presenting mail at that point and looking and just being so terrified to just walk into the women's section and looking at dresses and like just sweating bullets the whole time just because I thought people were staring at me or something. Like it's just like it's all mental. But like I just got, was so scared. And then just getting in the line in the line for the dressing room to like try it on to see if it fit before I bought it. And then I went to like Payless afterwards, rest in peace, Payless for all the other women with big feet. Uh, you know what I mean? And then uh got some shoes there and uh went to Target, got some makeup, and I used that Friday night to just kind of practice doing my makeup. Luckily, I did theater growing up, so I had already kind of foot up on some other trans women on actually how to apply makeup. So I was kind of like already blessed there before uh, and was uh, able to apply face a lot better than uh, I would have been if I hadn't had some makeup experience um, and kind of just practice doing that and, you know, you know, figuring out what I wanted to make my makeup look like the night after or the night. Yeah. And Saturday. 
And then, um, yeah, spent the next whole, like, early evening the next day getting ready, basically. Um, and then, yeah, and then I, you know, took a shower, shaved, basically, um, and started getting ready and putting my makeup on, and I just, like, looked in the mirror, and I just, like, saw myself for the first time, and I just was smiling, like, just this euphoria took over for the first time and like ever essentially that I'd never been able to look at myself and be happy. And like before that, like I had never understood like people who love to take selfies. (laughs) Like I thought it was the most (laughs) annoying and just like, I thought it was the most self-centered thing (laughs) in the world, people taking selfies. And I just didn't get it because I never enjoyed taking picture of myself like i you know got into filmmaking and to photography and i would always stay behind the camera okay that and makes so sense i saw myself for that first time and i took like over a hundred selfies in front of the mirror that night because i was so fucking happy for like the first time and I had this euphoria that i had never felt before and it just like was yeah that was the moment like that you know say the mask was lifted basically that was the moment basically and as i was like driving to driving down to s4 basically i was like constantly looking in the mirror and just like completely surprised by like who i saw and just baffled really and just so happy and excited for what i had just discovered about myself and yeah i got down to the s4 by myself and i ran into this other group of trans women and like they took me underneath their wing essentially and just let me hang out and dance with them the whole night and had one of the best nights that I have ever had like in my life essentially. And then, um, uh, yeah, my partner came back into town and I came out to her as trans like the next day basically. And she didn't take it as well as I would like her to take it. Basically she was very confused, uh, and was like, she was like, you know, thinking that I was lying to her the whole time of the relationship. She thought I had known this about myself and had just chosen not to tell her, but really I didn't understand or like actually fully know. Yeah, I mean, that's the, a hard thing. The perspective of it and what it was. It's a hard thing because um, like people, I think most people, most people, I don't want to say most people. I think there's a large percent of the population that believes the world happens to them. Yes. And the world, instead, yes. in reality, the world spin. The world is just spinning. The world like, is just spinning. Yes, the world's and spinning. It's not it's, happening to you. It's happening around you. But yes. however, the only way that you know how to process it is that it. This is happening to you. Yes, it's all about perspective. Yes, basically. Yeah. And for her, that's how it happened for her. So I don't want to take that away from her mm-hmm. because Absolutely. that's how she interpreted it, and I don't want to take that away from her. But um, so yeah, I came out to her, and afterwards this giant weight just lifted and I felt like because we've been in a relationship for almost seven years and we're living together and I know she wanted commitment and but there was like I was so terrified of like committing to somebody at that point and like I think being able to share that part of myself for the first time because I just discovered it like opened up this whole level of trust and like figuring out who I was and being able to start to figure out how to love myself because I'd never been able to do that um so I was just so happy. And then uh, that was the beginning of November. And then 
the end of December comes around and my grandfather passed away. Um, and he was wow. like basically a second father to my brothers and I after our parents divorced and everything. And then, um, you know, went for the funeral, uh, went there for Christmas cause he passed away Christmas Eve. So it was like super oh, just wow. rough That's holiday heavy. where I was thinking about coming out to my family then. And then I was like, Nope, can't do it. And then came back, uh, after Christmas to get close to the funeral where my partner at the time, she couldn't get off work. So she stayed there. I went for the funeral, came back and she had taken her clothes and our dog and you know cleared her personal items out and i had to wait for her to get back home to like let her have the breakup conversation with me um so that was right before uh the end of the year basically a couple days and it was just it was a really dark dark time for me basically to have my grandfather pass and then my partner of like seven years tell me that you know she couldn't go through this with me, basically. She was surprisingly still supportive, but unable to be there for me through the transition is what she told me. Yeah. Like, I mean, love is love. The sweetest thing for me that was like, we'd always kind of wrote each other notes on our mirror that we had. And it was like one of these, like, you know, medicine cabinet mirrors that you can mount and take with you to your next place. Um, and she wrote this note on there that said, no shame. That's beautiful. So that, I left it there for like months basically and I just saw it every day after that and it was such an important message that she left for me because she was so concerned about my like well-being that like nervous that I would do something stupid after she left. Like she called my friends and told them that, you know, we'd broken up and that I needed people to be there with me to support me. Like she didn't out me to them. She just said that I needed support. Do you guys still talk? Um, so... Let me it, get to that. Let me yeah, to yeah. That it, doesn't, it doesn't it no, doesn't have okay. to be a long thing. It can yeah. be simple yes or no. Um so we don't talk anymore right now. Okay. Um but yeah, so basically that was the beginning of my twenty eighteen after like having that happen and then I was thinking about, you know, coming out to my family and then you know, I went home beginning of February for my little brother's birthday and um was thinking about coming out to them then and we got, I got there and my mom was talking about my brother and really worried about him because he had been sleeping all day and like staying out all night and was concerned for his health because in the past he had smoked pot and um, up until that point in my past relationship, I was, you know, smoking pretty regularly. And um, as I got out of the relationship, I, you know, told myself I needed to take a break because I was using this to numb myself mm-hmm. and that wasn't mm-hmm. healthy. Um, and so... I had not had any issues with him smoking basically because I thought he he was handling it okay, but I didn't realize he was also using it to numb himself from his childhood traumas that he had. Um, and then that weekend we were there, we discovered syringes in his bathroom. Oh. So um, basically we all sat him down after his birthday dinner where he was just completely fucked up. And had um, an intervention. And had a little mini intervention with him and... Um, you know, my aunt helped us find a rehab facility outside of Dallas and I was on my way home to Dallas. So I drove, (laughs) I drove him, uh, to rehab. And that was probably one of the hardest things I ever had to do was take driving my little brother and dropping off at rehab facility was just one of the most difficult things I ever had to do. I mean, that's, Um, that's definitely fucked on another level. Yeah. So like, you know, like going from Christmas where I think I was coming out to my family to like February, my little brother having that incident. Like, I was terrified of going back home again to come out to my family, just afraid of some other, like, awful thing happening. So, 
I started seeing a therapist um, in the beginning of February of 2018 um, because to actually start medically transitioning, um, some doctors require you to have a letter from a therapist stating that, you know, you are um, in the right state of mind to begin medically transitioning. And this is actually something that no other community of people have to go through. <laughs> no one has to go and see a doctor or a therapist to say that, oh yeah, you're trans. You can now begin taking hormones. So it's seen as like, some people in the community see it as like gatekeeping essentially. To be able to like start transitioning, you have to like be able to afford to go see a therapist for a certain amount of time. That oh. will write you a letter to go see a doctor that you can then start So it's a barrier to entry. Yeah, it's a, it's a huge barrier basically. For a lot of people it's seen as a barrier. For me, I know I needed someone to talk to about my feelings because I had never done that before. So okay. for me, I was okay with it. But for a lot of people in the trans community, it's a huge barrier. So just wanted to throw that out there. Can I play devil's advocate yeah. to this real quick? So um, two questions. Can you give an example that a cis person might have a barrier like that at all or just, just does not exist? Um, I can't really think of anything like a cis person would want. Like cis people can go and like electively get surgery. But for a trans person to have... So um, a cis person can go get breasts yeah, if they can want get to. Breast, can go get a breast implant. Like breast I implants, could. no problem. Um, I mean, actually, good question. Like most women would be able to go and get, you know, breast augmentation. Okay, yes, yes. So, but if you're a trans woman, to like have a breast augmentation, some surgeons, not all, but most surgeons will require a letter from your therapist saying that you, are, uh, you know, lived as a woman for a certain amount of time before they will do that. And it's the same way for uh, gender confirmation surgery. It oh. takes a therapist's letter, it'll take a doctor's letter sometimes for them, for the surgeon to actually perform the surgery for you. Okay, so then last part of devil's advocate here mm -hmm. is, um, I guess, you know, and like this is my ignorance speaking out, but like how many people, quote unquote, well not quote unquote, but like how many people back out of this or how many people go back and forth because I think the news sensationalizes the stories of people who have gone like become a man, become a woman, gone back and forth, confused or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so like, I don't think you should have a barrier of entry, Yeah. but I also don't understand this enough to know that yeah. like, like, I mean, and let's be honest, if you're paying for it, you're paying for it. You can do whatever yeah. you goddamn well, please. Exactly. But, um, I also, understand that like i don't know i i guess this is why i'm so confused on this yeah. and it's like a doctor has ability they take an oath to like do no harm and take care of people but at the same time like i guess there's just not going back to the earlier statement i'm kind of answering my own question here i guess but like there's just not enough information about yeah. the community as a whole yeah to really to really warrant yeah um, yeah, to really warrant, I guess, the validity of that, because I see it as like, I don't think you should have a barrier to entry, mm -hmm. but I'm also vehemently concerned, like, I guess in Canada recently, they had talked about like, people can go through reassignment much younger before under the age of 18. Um, or was that? I don't think so. I don't think was that another thing? I don't think it's under 18. I think most places are 18 years old before you can actually start to 
take any uh, for any surgeries or for any hormone uh, replacement therapy. I'll have Basically, to double check on this. For, for anyone uh, who's young, under 18, at least in the U.S., and I'm pretty sure in Canada as well, and in the U.K., I believe, that the doctors can prescribe uh, trans youth puberty blockers, and all that does is delay puberty from happening. So if they were to change their mind, you know, a year after taking puberty blockers, they could stop taking them, and their puberty would start. Okay, would I guess that's what I was thinking that's of. That's all there is. It's puberty blockers, and that does nothing. That does not do anything um, invasive to the kid's, like, development or anything. Like, all it does is delay puberty, and then when they're 18, they can basically start taking hormone replacement therapy so they have the right hormones in their body so they can go through that puberty. See, for me, I started taking HRT um, May 2018, so I have gone through and still going through a second puberty, essentially. Oh, wow. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's one of the things, especially in the government, that they use as a weapon against the trans community is, like, recently there's uh, multiple states in the U.S. right now that are trying to pass um, states from allowing... Um, their doctors to uh, give health care to trans youth. Okay. Because they're saying that we're preventing them from having surgeries and um, mutilating these children. Like they use ex- those words just like that are very similar, basically. Yeah, no, I mean, Whenever, ver- like, there's rhetoric no doctors is... that are allowed to even do that. They're using the scare tactic, basically, but all they're, they're basically trying to take away puberty blockers from trans youth. And by that happening, you're gonna, they're gonna, you know, go through a puberty that they don't need to go through because it's gonna make it that much harder for them once they want to start transitioning. Because for a trans woman, testosterone does a lot of evil things to their body, basically that they don't want, like hair mm. loss, and it deepens the voice, and it does a lot of other things that just make it really like that estrogen won't, you know, yeah. Yeah. basically take away. So that's just one thing right now that's happening, and it's very it's weaponizing basically it's basically trying to yeah kind of weaponize what you know trans youth are accessing whenever like their republicans are just presenting something completely false okay um but kind of like i'll get back and finish <laughs> the whole fresh because i was almost done basically yeah. so like i said i started taking i started seeing a therapist and then after three months he wrote me a letter i started taking uh, hormone replacement therapy uh, in May 2018, and then I started, um, basically I started socially transitioning before that in March, came out to my family. Um, mm-hmm. They were just completely shocked and surprised. Um, and um, yeah, so that was just like this like very slow process basically of my family starting to come around. But luckily I actually had some really great family members like from the beginning who were just like super supportive, like my cousin and like my aunt without them, like actually there, like talking to my other family members, explaining, you know, like this is what she wants to do. Like this makes her happy. This is who she is. You got to like, let her be her yeah, and not project the idea of who you thought she was and be forced into that narrative because so many parents, you know, when they have kids, they have this idea in mind of who they're going to be as they grow up and they have this image of what they want their childs to be yeah. and don't let them actually be themselves. Yeah, no, no, it makes sense. Um, so that's a whole nother part of it. But like you were saying, I, um, 
So I started socially transitioning in March, which means I just started, you know, presenting uh, as a woman, essentially. And prior to, like, my face now, I had, like, this giant beard, basically, <laughs> with this really dark hair um, that I was able to have laser hair removal treatment to, like, reduce my uh, facial hair. And that helped a lot in terms of, like, feeling dysphoria for myself. Like, uh, that was okay. a major sense of dysphoria. Like, after I would shave, I would still just look at my face, and it would just be complete shadow on my on my lower half of my face, essentially. Um, so just having that was, after two years of treatment, just, like, it's not completely gone, but, like, it's m- 95% better, essentially. That's awesome. Um, and then... Um, you know, so I started transitioning. I started going to support groups that actually made me feel less alone and less like a freak, essentially. Where can one find information about support groups? Yeah, so um, most larger cities have some type of LGBTQ support center. Okay. Uh, like here in Dallas, there's the Resource Center. And I had a f- uh, friend uh, invite me to this uh, trans support group that was for 18 and up youth, anyone from 18 up, basically. Yeah, And I started going there and just automatically met all these other people that were trans and like me, and it just made me feel less alone and more connected to these other people that I had never, you know, met before. And it just really gave me a sense of belonging and learning how to actually accept myself. You know, therapy I was practicing at, being able to actually interface and talk with other people definitely helped me go through that. Um, and then... Um, yeah, I just started medically transitioning with HRT. And then, um, yeah, you know, definitely had some small hiccups from, you know, things at work. Um, don't really need to go into that. It's not a big deal. Yeah, no, no, like, no, no. Uh, I, worked, I, I worked at a photographer rental house. And now, I, after COVID last year, now I'm working independent as an independent contractor for film production and, like, photo uh, production. And... It's um, it's a lot of fun. I enjoy what I do for work. It's it's nice to work for myself. Um, but like, one of the things you asked me earlier, if you know, I still talk to my ex. Um, last December, she passed away from a very advanced form of melanoma, essentially. Oh shit. Um, and you know, we had basically only been texting before that. Um, wow. And never really gotten to talk. So that was really. And it was like, you know, a couple of weeks before we broke up too. So it was just super just wow. rough timing for that to happen. And then like my brother the next night after that basically telling me that I couldn't come home to, hi- couldn't come to his house for Christmas essentially um, when all my other family mem- members were invited. Um, wow, I'm sorry. So yeah, that's, that's kind of where I'm at now. And I'll kind of just like wrap the, yeah, the yeah. bow there on like kind of history and origin story there well thank Sorry you for sh- so no 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 i mean it's it's life is not simple life is complex and i say this to the kids all the time the simplest things are always the hardest thing to unpack the simpler it is the more complicated it is to unpack and that's just a fact of life and i want to switch gears here and kind of talk about I, I really kind of want to stick this to three different things. Um, I'd like to know what kind of gave you solace or comfort in talking to the few people that you have talked to about for the podcast. Mm-hmm. What are you 
I guess, what are you most excited about or looking, hope for it to happen or come out of it or anything like that? And then, um, is there anybody else you want to interview? Because hopefully they're listening to this yeah. and yeah, I can holla. Yeah. Holla at my girl. Uh huh. So what gave me like solace and like peace of mind? Yeah. Said, yeah. Or? Like what was like, wow. Like why, why in this whole exploration of interview, interviewing the adventurous outdoor community mm-hmm. that you've had an opportunity to do. So I think what gave me like peace of mind was just starting off kind of easy with uh, some friends um, here in Dallas, my friends uh, Jordan and Spencer, mm-hmm. just ha- sitting down and having the first conversation with them um, and getting to talk with people I was already familiar with really like made me, helped me realize that, you know, I could actually do this. Like yeah. this was something that I would, I could do and that I was actually really going to enjoy it. Like I felt so... I felt so alive and just like connected after the converse, the first conversation I had. Mm-hmm. And I was just so pumped to begin to actually do that with like strangers, essentially yeah. the people I had just, you know, reached out to. Um, so yeah, that definitely kind of gave me the, the boost that I needed and um, reached out to other people that I would, you know, wanted to talk to. And um, like the next guest after that, that I had uh, was Samuel Crosley. Um, he's a, you know, you know, gay uh, man who is a filmmaker and photographer and focuses on rock climbing. And it's just like this kind of like person I've really looked up to ever since Free Solo. He was one of the, the filmmakers on Free Solo. I did not know that. Um, yeah. So like as soon as that movie came out, I went and saw it in IMAX with a friend um, who was uh, who was my climbing partner at the time. Uh, shout out to Anna. Um and yeah, after seeing that film, I was just like, couldn't wait to climb outside. And you know, as a filmmaker, I just always look at the credits and I see the names of the people and I go through each one of them and I'm just like, oh, I wonder who this person is. And I got to Samuel Crosley's name and I was just like, got to his Instagram. I was like, oh my goodness, he's queer and he's into filmmaking photography and he's into rock climbing. Like, this is so cool. That's so awesome. I was just like following him immediately. And so like he was one of the people I had on my list originally from the beginning for the podcast was like wanting to talk to him and he was like the second person that I talked to for some reason. I just like went straight into it and I got really <laughs> nervous because like I had been looking up to him for a couple of years now and just like following him on Instagram and That's just seeing awesome. what he was doing. So I was, I was kind of nervous going into that one, but you know, halfway through he just made me feel like so at ease and just relaxed and just That's easy awesome. to talk to. Um, but yeah. Um, but I guess like the, the person that I the next person that like the big name for the person I would love to, to talk to next um, is definitely Alex Johnson. Um, and I've actually already reached out to her and she said she would totally be down, but you know, she's got a really busy schedule. Yeah. I so mean, she's I haven't living that pro-life kind been of able schedule. to um, nail down a time to talk with her yet, but I need to get back to that yep. and reach back out to her. So that's definitely going to happen soon. And I can't wait. Oh, that'll be so great to have a, have a con- I can't, I can't, you know, knock on wood, these chairs are um, that she uh, is able to, like, you know, scheduling to work it out and everything. Yep. So okay. that's who I'm looking forward to the most to, uh, to talk to next. Okay, so we've got... But, like, I've talked to other people, you know, who aren't professional climbers or aren't, you know, other photographer, filmmakers, and just getting to talk to, you know, your everyday climbers, essentially, has been, you know, some of the most humbling and rewarding conversations as well. It's just a different 
you know, it's a different person. It's a different story. It's a different whole vibe. different vibe. And like those people are just as amazing and just as fun to talk to. Yeah, that's awesome. All right. I'm kind of, I wish I would have wrote my questions down, but I lost track of them. <laughs> I so. always like just have it notes on my computer. When I was yeah, no. Okay. Day. So we've talked about excitement. Um, I remember the last one, the last, oh, 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 I remember it. What are you hoping to give or what do you want people to receive from you from all of this? I guess that's like kind of two parts, I guess. It is kind of parts. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I would say not focus on the give, but receive. Because receive oh. is more important than the give. Because I think just hearing your story, we know what you're trying to give. But, like, what do you want people to receive from this? I don't know. Maybe that's the same question. I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. But I guess what I want people to get out of it. Mm-hmm. Like, I want other, you know, queer people, trans people, however you identify, I want other people in the community to be able to hear these episodes from other climbers and to like feel a little bit less alone in their community. Cause I've talked to other, you know, this other trans climber like me and she refuses to go into a gym. Yeah. I, I so I am very I've heard that blessed before. in my, in of all places, Dallas, Texas to like have a, super progressive and supportive gem that I can go into and not feel like unsafe. Yeah. It's very affirming. It's very good experience for me here. So I want to be able to help people in the community feel a little bit safer in the climbing community. Okay. And I know it's, it's all relative. It's all based on where you're at your location. It's all based on that. But I want people to see the wider scope that things are getting better. Like, they haven't been great in the past, but they are getting better. So I'm pushing for that growth and that and that empowerment for the community to feel like this is their space as well. Okay. And like the other side of that coin would be I want the other people who aren't in the community to be able to learn something and like hear other voices outside of the people that they normally see in the gym mm-hmm. or that they normally hang out with. And to be able to um, appreciate, you know, uh, and be able to understand a little bit, like, what it feels like for another person that's not like them, you know, yeah. to climb or to go to, to go to a gym and, you know, the nerves that they may have doing that. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I mean, we can get into this, like, entering <laughs> spaces that you perceive or you have not yeah. felt welcome before, it's kind of a wild thing. Yeah, it's definitely crazy. And, like, the other thing I totally forgot I was going to say earlier was about, you know, how you said it was similar how, you know, people to, you know, being a person of color, yep. being trans. Yep. Like, basically, when I first came out, I had a friend, uh, and, you know, we grabbed lunch, and I was coming out to him, basically, and he was like, well, welcome. He goes, welcome to the club. And I was like, what do you mean, the club? He goes, to being a minority. Yeah. And I was just like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, You're right. Yeah. I mean, you just you join a very exclusive club in America. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, seventy percent of the majority is the majority. You know who you are. Yeah. So and, and so th- yeah, that was like one of the things. Also, like my therapist told me going into therapy was just like, you know, you're gonna lose like your you know your male privilege. It's it's gonna be gone. Like you're giving that up essentially. And I said, okay, yeah, I understand that. Did and you like, really understand that at the moment? 
in the moment, I don't think I fully understood the ramifications. And I've, I've gone through the points of not being fully listened to at times. And I've been to the points that I felt unsafe and uncomfortable around cis men. I've had those experiences now, and it's terrifying. Yeah. So, I can only yes, imagine. I, I, it, you don't get it until you're actually in it, basically. Oh, yeah. And so it took no, 100%. The experiences to 100%. Get um, yeah. And I could go on about those, but that's not what we're here for. No, no. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. last question. Um, if you wanted to give a shout out, I mean, we already we already said hi, Alex. Hey, girl. Um, but is there anyone else on your bucket list that you would, if they just happen to come across, you know, hopefully someone's listening to this that knows someone that knows someone that knows someone that knows someone. And is there anyone else on your bucket list that you would like to chat with? Off the top of my head right now, I can't think of anybody else, but I'm sure I'm probably missing somebody. Oh, okay. Like, well, I mean, you're about to take over the episode, so you can throw yeah, it out there at any point in exactly. time. But it's, yeah, I'm just really grateful that you came to me for this because I just feel so lucky to be able to have these conversations with all of the amazing people that I've got to talk to already and that I look forward to talking to. So, Well, I want to... I want to thank you for your time and I want to thank you for your story because I feel, I feel, and hopefully the listeners of this podcast feel that we might not understand the topic much better, but we understand the humanity around it. And I think that's the key. I mean, that's really the key to anything like understanding the humanity, understanding the person, understanding them, their soul, because you know, um, this podcast and it is definitely already changed by now. You guys have probably already read it. The description of this podcast has changed. It was originally supposed to be type two fun, sends and suffers. Yeah. All the adventures, but as any great project and as anything that you do put your passion into it, it breeds a life of its own It grows, and it does what it wants. And you're just along for the ride. And Sends and Suffers podcast mission is to talk to the adventurous souls that, sorry, restart, tongue-tied, IPA. Sends and Suffers mission is to talk to the adventurous souls that live within this adventurous community. And I want to understand, and the community wants to understand the sending and the suffering that you have gone through that brought you to this microphone today. Because that's valuable. And I think that's relatable because... You know, we all have epics. We all have adventures. We all have these things that are like, dude, this trip was just like next level, blah, 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 blah. But I'll never forget one of the most impactful story statements I ever heard. Not a story, a statement I ever heard was a guy had said, you have nobody, you have no idea how many shifts I had to trade just to get to go on this climbing trip. And to me, that was like, excuse me? I, it was just so powerful to me. Like, mm -hmm. I'm like, you have no idea how many shifts I had to trade in order to get to go on this climbing trip. And it meant that much to you. And I was thinking, I mean, I was like, I was thinking about just canceling and just not going, you know, but now I feel, you know, I feel mm -hmm. bad. Yeah. And I think the point I'm trying to get across is, is, you don't know someone until you have the chance to sit down and talk with them. And I have had the privilege 
of knowing you in passing for quite a while, and we've grown a friendship within the last, I would say, year to two years. Mm-hmm. And I really, I want to, I don't want to take lightly you opening your heart, your mind, and your gut to me and the community that's listening to this right now. I think it's very important that we give reverence to that. And I am immensely excited for the guests, the thoughts, the opinions, the spirits, and the feelings that you're going to invoke taking over this show. I think it's extremely important. I think it needs to happen. And, um, I, I, yeah, I don't think I have anything else to say about that, but you know, go on with your bad self girl. It's your show now. Thank you. All right. Before we jump off, is there anyone you want to give a shout out to? Well, the two questions I always like to ask is, and I'm getting better at asking these questions, but Mm -hmm. like the two questions I like to ask, is there any kind of literature or anything out there that you think would be beneficial for someone to read? Or is there a book that you have gifted someone? And I want to be clear. It doesn't actually have to do with this topic. It's just something that's meaningful to you. But um, is there anything that you've given? And then is there anyone you want to give a shout out to? Last two things. Like anything about like trans educational material or just like anything in general that I've given people? I always like to ask what book have you gifted most? But if there's a, if you want to list a book that's about trans (laughs) and you want to list what book you've gifted most, like whatever it's your, I mean, it's, this is your moment. I guess like what book I recommend. Um, such a bad friend i haven't even gifted the book yet but this is gonna come way out of left field um there is a book and it's called the ethical slut and the name is a lot more Mm -hmm. different than what it actually basically the books about uh it's called the ethical slut uh i think it's a guide to ethical non-monogamy um Mm. because a lot of people in the queer and trans community are non-monogamous um, so that means that they, ha- they can be in, you know, there's, there's multiple ways that someone could be non-monogamous, basically. There's not just one way to do it. Um, but basically that, you know, marriage was created by our society to procreate, essentially procreate and to calm us down, to keep us level yeah. and to keep us grounded. Um, and that that humans are not initially initially made to be monogamous. Like, look at where the divorce rate is. But, like, that aside, yeah. the book's about, you know, non-monogamy. But in my opinion, this book is one of the best books for relationships, even if it's monogamous, in my opinion. Okay. I think that it has so many great tools for helping people learn how to communicate better in a relationship whether that's an intimate relationship, whether that's a friendly relationship, whether that's one with your, you know, your family. Um, I've learned so many great tools for communication and dealing with jealousy in a relationship. Like Mm. it's not only people and, you know, monogamous people get jealous too. Um, So it helps you deal with like all these different, you know, points in a relationship. Like, yeah, there's stuff in there about non-monogamy, but like you don't have to like really take that stuff, you know, if if it's not for you, it's not for you. But there's, so many great aspects of that book, in my opinion, that go into actually communication for relationship and how to, um, yeah, communicate better overall in relationship. I don't know. 
It's just okay. one of the things that I've recommended most to people in like the okay. last year. And that's, yeah, like I said, it's way out of left field, but yeah, that's, that's like, one no, thing. I'm, I'm into um, it. And then shout outs, shout outs. Um, so really, I guess I would shout out to all of my pretty much, I I don't like names. I could sit here and name people all day, but like anyone who's essentially been there for me in the last three years in my transition has helped me get to where I'm at today. Yeah. Because without the friends and like my chosen family that I have, like I wouldn't be who I am today. And it's like the people that love and care for me who have been able to help me get past those roadblocks. So there's so many people, but if, you know, if you've known me and you've, you know, talked with me and like we've hung out and like, you know, you've listened to me cry and talk about something essentially like, I want to say I love you and thank you so much for being in my life. All right. Well, thank you for allowing me to enter your life and thank you for sharing your origin story with me and the creator community that's listening to this. And I am excited for you to take over. And I believe most of our guests are excited. And if you're not excited, you can unsubscribe. Bye. Sorry, not sorry. Yeah, definitely not. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah. So, ladies and gentlemen, I'll be back in a couple months. Toodaloo. And that wraps it up for today's episode. Thank you so much again for listening, uh, and I hope you enjoyed or maybe took something away from today's conversation that I got to have with Mario, uh, that I got to open up a little bit about my life and my history. Uh, and if you're trying to stay up to date, make sure to go like, follow, subscribe on all of the social media platforms to make sure you're uh, getting all of that Sins and Suffers content that Mario is so graciously sending your way. And I look forward to hosting the next uh, few episodes for this special LGBTQ takeover episodes of Sins and Suffers. Uh. How do you feel about it? That felt a lot better. Do you want me to do it again? I mean, yeah, it's up to you. I'll do it one more time. Okay. But I felt a lot better. Like, I wasn't as stumbly bef between everything. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure you can, you know, cut out a little dead space if I did have it in between the kind of yep. uh, segues or whatever. Okay. And that does it for today's episode. Thank you so much again for tuning in and listening. I really enjoyed getting to have this conversation with Mario today and getting to share a little bit about myself, my history. I hope you learned something or found it entertaining uh, and I want to come back for more. So if you do, please make sure to follow, subscribe, like on all of the social media platforms for Sins and Suffers, where Mario is so graciously sending you all of this amazing content. And I look forward to hosting the rest of these LGBTQ takeover episodes of Sins and Suffers. I hope you guys enjoyed our conversation. Our conversation was educational, magical, and I mean, Alexa's just a bad bitch. I mean, who is... 
I mean, you already know by watching. As you can see, she's going to be taking over for a little bit during Pride Month, maybe a little longer. And she'll just be helping us out and really kind of diving into an aspect of our community that I honestly don't think I can quite dive into it as, as well. You know, like, you know your own. And that's true for every culture. That's true for everything. And like, I mean, don't worry. I want to be kumbaya and I want to love on everybody and I want to be supportive and I want to see the world on my walls. I want to see the entire world on my walls. But we all know what it's like to be around family or those who have like minds. And family, the beauty of that is family is not what you're born into. It's what you make it. And I am excited to have Alexa as a part of the Sins and Suffers family and on a very high podium on that, for that matter. I hope you guys enjoy these episodes. Please, as she said, like, follow, subscribe. I would love to hear comments of this series that she's going to be taking over for the next little while. And I'd love to hear you guys' thoughts. Please make sure you guys are paying attention to my social media, my Instagram. I am going to be announcing that I am traveling, doing some recording, doing some things while she is taking over. And I will be an eager, eager, eager listening listener. Wait a minute. Can I mess with my own metrics if I listen to it? Okay, whatever. I'm going on a tangent. But I deeply thank you guys. And I hope you enjoy the next round of Sends and Suffers podcast. And as always, if you're not suffering, are you really even sending at all?